Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Kyle Larson has the advantage over Austin Dillon. Put it at two, two and a half car lengths as they exit off of turn two. Austin Dillon, final chance on the back stretch, trying to find a way to catch Kyle Larson. Off the end of the back straightaway, Larson by three, Larson by four car lengths, but Dillon makes a final try to the inside. A bonsai move for Austin Dillon at the bottom of the racetrack, going to try to pull the slide job. He can't do it. Off turn four, Kyle Larson comes to the line. Austin Dillon giving pursuit, checkered flag in the air, and Kyle Larson wins the Wise Power 400. Yeah, definitely important. Um, your last week didn't, didn't end up like we wanted. Um, I made a mistake there and got ourselves in a crash. So uh, you didn't gain any points at all last week and was able to come here with some pressure on us and uh, come back with a win. So love it and uh, hope we can just you know get on a get on a little streak here. I love the West Coast race. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Everybody, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you after we have now cleared race weekend number two, the 22 season. Got a trio of drivers that are going to join us today. We're going to touch base with Hendrick Motorsports driver Alex Bowman. Had a chance to visit with Alex lately. What a great visit that was. We'll take you back to that. Also, we're going to visit with Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series winner at Fontana. Cole Custer is going to stop by. Plus, As we're headed to Las Vegas this weekend, we're going to check in with Noah Gregson. He'll join us as well. We'll also preview Sunday's Cup action at Vegas and a whole lot more. But first to get us going, as always, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest in NASCAR news. Kyle? Mike, there were several new faces in the top 10 at the conclusion of Sunday's Wise Power 400 NASCAR Cup Series race at the Auto Club Speedway in California. Among them, Monterey, Mexico's Daniel Suarez, who finished the race fourth in his number 99 Trackhouse Racing Chevrolet after challenging for the lead in the closing laps. It was his first top five finish of the season for the former NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, which ties the amount of top fives he had in all of last season. Suarez sits 15th in the championship standings, heading to Las Vegas this weekend. 
And after a week off, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series returns to the track this Friday night in Las Vegas with the running of the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200. Zane Smith won the season opening race for the series two weeks ago in Daytona in his debut with Front Row Motorsports and has run well in Vegas in the past, scoring three top ten finishes in four starts, including a sixth-place finish in this race a year ago. Christian Eckes is the most recent series winner in Vegas, taking the checkered flag there last September. Motor Racing Network will have live coverage of Friday night's race for the trucks beginning at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, a conversation with Alex Bowman, and later, Cole Custer will stop by. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Following a four-win season last season, Alex Bowman has high hopes set for 2021. I had a chance to sit down with Alex and chat about this West Coast swing. It began at Fontana. It will continue this weekend at Las Vegas and the following weekend at Phoenix. Plus, we also chatted about his relationship with his crew chief, Greg Ives. Are you a fan of the West Coast Swing, that interesting three-race burst out there? Um, yes and no. Uh, I like the tracks that we go to. Vegas is one of my favorites. Uh, obviously, Phoenix and Fontana I like as well. Um, the five-and-a-half-hour flight, not a big fan of. The, the getting home at 6 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, not a big fan of. Um, my dogs are mad at me when I'm out there. Like I got a lot of, like personal reasons that going that far is is a hassle but aside from me being selfish it's great racetracks great racing great weather obviously i'm sitting here there's a window beside me but you wouldn't know it because it's just gray outside north carolina so getting to some sunshine is always good i want to talk about you and greg this is the fourth year that you guys have been together uh you've won races in each of the last three years you've won six races together how is the chemistry coming along because it seems like you and greg have hit your stride would you agree with that yeah i think so you know we get along really well which is great uh we have a great relationship we're both awkward and weird so it's uh it's an interesting cast of characters right like neither one of us are that natural strong spoken leader like we both are like, like oh we gotta go talk to people now this is awkward but um you know i think I really enjoy working with Greg. I think our communication's really good. Last year was a bit frustrating with kind of our inconsistency, but it's not from a lack of effort on either side. I think we're both all in and, um, you know, I, I think we work really well together. So looking forward to see how he kind of tackles this new race car and a new challenge. Um, so different from anything that I've ever driven, but also anything that he's ever worked on and set up and had to make calls on. So. Um, it's a challenge from all sides, and I'm excited to uh, get working on it with him. And Alex Bowman is getting ready to put his name on the winner's board here at the Monster Mile. 
Alex Bowman up off turn number four. Looks to Shannon Bednarik, sees the checkered flag in the air, and Alex Bowman wins the Drydeen 400 at the Monster Mile in Dover. Bowman with an impressive win. The 28-year-old from Tucson, Arizona, picks up his fourth career NASCAR Cup Series win. Kyle Larson will finish second. Chase Elliott third. William Byron fourth. And Joey Logano fifth. A 1-2-3-4 finish for Rick Hendrick and Hendrick Motorsports. All the Hendrick cars won last year. You contributed to it with four. We already know about what Kyle did, but Chase and William won as well. Does that get put into the big collective vat er, that everybody can draw off of? Uh, It would seem like everybody is doing the contributions. And does that get spread out all among the Hendrick cars? Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, I think the the mood and kind of the environment at Hendrick Motorsports is the best I've ever seen it. Everybody's pumped up. Um, You know, obviously there are some challenges with the new car and kind of getting everything going but uh everybody's pumped up and ready to go and firing on all cylinders so i think it was was really cool last year you know honestly like we won four races but i think we were kind of out of the four like the other three were kind of more consistently successful so um like even though uh, like william only won one race but he was so strong all year and so fast every week um, like everybody had something that they brought to the table that, that brought the morale up at the team. So um, really cool to see and cool to be a part of it. Um, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun. And my first year at Hendrick Motorsports was definitely a down year for the company. So seeing kind of where we were four or five years ago and how everything swung up. Now we're two championships in a row and um and go try to get a third it's it's really cool to see how positive everything is at hms alex and greg have an opportunity to claim another checkered flag coming up this weekend at the las vegas motor speedway and speaking of las vegas got a classic race for you coming this week we'll be looking back on the very first time the nascar cup series went to las vegas back in 1998 The fans are on their feet, waving their hats and hands as Mark Martin storms off turn four. Mark Martin up off the corner with the checkered flag in sight after four wins in 1997. He'll crack victory lane in 98 in just the third race of the season. Mark Martin wins the inaugural Las Vegas 400 by 1.6 seconds over Jeff Burton. Hear that race on MRN Classics this week on MRN.com and on many of these same MRN stations. This MRN Flashback is brought to you by Mahindra, the official tractor of Tough and Stuart Haas Racing. Coming up, we sit down with Cole Custer and later, a look at some NASCAR head-to-head matchups that we'd love to see on a Vegas undercard. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. 
This is NASCAR Live. Here comes Cole Custer for the final time, headed up the backstretch, has the lead by five car lengths, back to Noah Gregson, into corner number three. Cole Custer trying to take SS Streetlight Racing to victory lane. The dominant car all day long out front when it matters the most. The checkered flag is waving here at the start-finish line off for final time. Cole Custer across the line, and Cole Custer has picked up the win in the production Alliance Group 300. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That's how it sounded Saturday afternoon here on the Motor Racing Network. Cole Custer going to Victory Lane at the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana. MRN's Dylan Welch caught up with Cole to discuss that win and his expectations in the weeks to come. Cole Custer joins us now, a big winner last week in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, of course, at the Auto Club Speedway. So uh, let's start there. Uh, Obviously, you've had a lot of success in the Xfinity Series through the years, but uh, full-time cup guy now, so you don't get to go back and race in that series as much as uh, I'm sure you'd like to, but uh, always nice to go back there and, and be able to get a win, right? Yeah, I mean, it had been, I think, two and a half years or so since I ran an Xfinity car on an oval. So it was uh, it was really cool to go back and uh, build a little bit of confidence up. But also, I mean, it was awesome for our sponsor, Production Alliance Group. I mean, they're a SoCal company there, and it was uh, huge for them to get a win in their own race. So uh, that was really cool. Dale saw and everybody involved there. Um, but overall, I mean, just super fast car. I mean, I can't thank everybody who had anything to do with that car. I mean, it was it was lights out from the second we unloaded it. So it was a, it was a blast to drive. And obviously it was a, a Stuart Haas racing, uh, aligned car, but, uh, you know, it was a Bobby daughter SS green light owned car really. So, uh, to be able to get a win for them, how, how neat was that for you to, to just be able to deliver that to those guys as, as a group that's been in the sport a long time? It was huge. I mean, you look at Bobby daughter, I mean, he's been, he's been in the sport longer than anybody, you know, he's been doing it for a long time and to see him in victory lane and all those guys, you know, I mean, those guys work just as hard or harder than anybody else out there. So to see them in victory lane was, was really cool. And, uh, was really cool that we got to make that happen. The, the cup race on Sunday, you know, we obviously have run the Daytona 500 and, and this, this stretch of the schedule, we've got a lot of variety and we're going to kind of figure out, I think what we've got with this new race car, just because of the variety of racetracks through the first four or five races. Um, Fontana is a different beast, obviously with a two mile racetrack where you can move around a lot. What was your, you know, evaluation of, of your weekend and, and even just a bigger picture of how the the new car raced at at the two mile racetrack there in, in Southern California? Well, I think everybody was a little bit nervous after practice and qualifying. Uh, it was uh, exciting to say the least. I mean, people, you know, I think we had 10 guys who spun out or crashed. So it was uh, definitely on the edge, you know, at these bigger racetracks, you just don't really have the downforce that you'd want, you know, to, to really, you know, have some confidence at these bigger tracks. Um, but overall in the race, I mean, I thought the car raced well. I think, you know, it wasn't just a huge wreck fest, I wouldn't say. Um, so overall, I think it was better than everybody expected. And I think NASCAR did a solid job. So it'll just be interesting going to these tracks that we're coming up to like Vegas. I mean, it's another kind of leap into the unknown. It's uh, you got those really big bumps in one and two. And when you look at what happened at Fontana with guys, you know, getting upset and wrecking over those bumps in three and four, it could be, it could be a really hairy weekend for sure, because those are some of the biggest bumps that we go to at Vegas. How much are you guys learning 
just through the course of the race, you know, because obviously we got a lot of practice in Daytona, but you're not, Daytona's a little bit of an outlier, right? You're not really learning that much about the balance aspect of this new car. And then we go to Fontana where you get 20 minutes of practice basically, and then you qualify and you're in the race. So you're getting your most laps of the weekend, obviously in the race. How much are you learning just over the course of, of 400 miles or, or, you know, 500 miles from start to finish? It's huge. I mean, I think, you know, especially like what you said, there's not a ton of practice time. So it's a lot of just adapting and kind of doing stuff on the fly this year. You know, it's going to be a lot about trying to just uh, get used to the thing as quick as possible. And uh, it helps the guys out, you know, on setting up the car. It helps us out, you know, getting these laps in the race. You know, you learn how far you can push the car. You know, I think a lot of guys exceeded that 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 uh, amount, you know, and spun out or wrecked. But you gotta you gotta at some point learn, you know, how how far you can push it. So it's definitely uh, you're gonna see a lot of that this year of guys trying to push that edge because you really don't know track to track, you know, how far you can push it. Where are you guys as Stuart Haas Racing at in your? Um... I guess approval rating of where you've developed this race car to this point. We're only two races in, but we've tested all winter. You know, there's there's been a lot of R and D that's gone into this. Through two races, where do you feel like your program across all four cars is at right now? You know, I think we've done a solid job. I mean, I think uh, you know, you saw the 14. I think led some laps. I think you know, we ran, we got some stage points and ran the top 10, uh, and the 10 and the fourth finished in the top 10. So. It was, I think, a solid weekend for us. You know, are we where we want to be? You know, leading all the laps and up front? You know, not yet. We still got to work on that. But it's definitely a huge improvement off last year. And uh, it's just, you know, every single track is going to be different. So you're going to have to kind of relearn every single track you go to. And it's going to be a lot about looking back on your notes and uh, from tracks we've already run this year and trying to figure out, you know, how much we can get away with. You guys have you on the 41 car have improved every every race so far. We're 20th at Daytona, 11th uh, this past weekend. How do you feel about Vegas this weekend? What kind of place has that been for you in particular in the past? You know, Vegas is an interesting one because it's so much different from the spring race to the fall race. You know, what, this weekend I think is going to be pretty cool out, um, but you look at the fall race and it's going to be really hot. So. It's just, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, you still don't know, I think, if NASCAR is going to make a rule change or anything like that. So last minute, but at the same time, I mean, it's going to be extremely interesting this weekend, you know, how guys uh, get through those bumps in one and two, because they're the biggest that we go to on the schedule. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how far different crew chiefs push the setups on how aggressive they want to be over the bumps but also the drivers how far they want to push it especially unloading when you don't really know how much you can get away with for sure lots to uh consider and lots to think about and uh we're uh, i'm glad that it's you guys that are making those decisions out there and not us because it's uh it's been entertaining for sure to watch so cole thanks for your time and uh, best of luck this weekend out west thank you i appreciate it Thank you, Dylan. Coming up, we'll take a look at some head-to-head matchups to look out for in the NASCAR Cup Series this weekend in Las Vegas. And later, Noah Gregson will join us. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! greater things this year everyone plays a part be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing toyota let's go places nascar is a registered trademark of national association for stock car auto racing inc
This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Cup Series is headed back to Sin City this weekend for the Pennzoil 400 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And in the spirit of Las Vegas and boxing undercards and main event matchups, we came up with some head-to-head driver belts that we'd love to see on the track. And here to help us with that is our Kyle Ricky. NASCAR heads to the bright lights of Las Vegas, Nevada this weekend for a triple header of action. It is also a huge sports weekend in Sin City. While Sunday's main event is the Cup Series Pennzoil 400, Saturday night sees UFC's best taking to the Octagon for UFC 272 at T-Mobile Arena. While NASCAR's best won't be stepping into the Octagon, the battles on the track will be fierce. In honor of the fight capital of the world, we've put together our own supercard of driver matchups to look forward to in Sunday's race. In this corner, he's the defending champ from Elk Grove, California. It's Young Money, Kyle Larson. And his opponent, he's the 2020 Series Champion from Dawsonville, Georgia, the sport's most popular driver, Chase Elliott. After their incident late in this past Sunday's race in Fontana, this battle between Hendrick Motorsports teammates will certainly be a top of mind in Vegas. Since joining Hendrick Motorsports, Larson has gotten the better of Elliott at most ovals. And based on past history, this Sunday might not be any different. In 11 Cup Series starts at Las Vegas, the defending champion has one win and four top two finishes, leading to a stellar 9.8 average finish on the track. Elliott's average finish is just 18.7, but that is inflated because of crashes in three of his first four races at the track. While Larson won the race last year, Elliott got the better of his teammate in the fall when he finished second ahead of Larson's 10th. In this corner, he's the most recent Las Vegas winner from Chesterfield, Virginia, Danny Hamlin. And his opponent from Tucson, Arizona, he's known as the Showman, or as his opponent likes to call him, the Hack, Alex Bowman. We've already talked about the winner of the spring race at Vegas last year, but let's now focus on the fall winner, Denny Hamlin, and pit him up against his newest rival, Alex Bowman. The rivalry really took center stage at Martinsville last October. Bowman will not quit. He pounds it. Oh, he hits Hamlin. Denny Hamlin spins in turn four. Now here on the front straightaway, Denny Hamlin has slid in front of Alex Bowman. Bowman's coming up to try to celebrate. Denny Hamlin will come up and try to run into the nose of the Alex Bowman car. Bowman's the one that wrecked Hamlin. The sample size for Hamlin is a lot bigger, with him having 20 career Cup Series starts here in Vegas to top Bowman's 10. But he certainly should be the favorite in the matchup. Hamlin has an average finish of 12.7 here, 
and has upped that recently with three straight top fives and his first win at the track. Last September, Bowman's average finish at Las Vegas stands at 19.9, but in his eight starts here with Hendrick Motorsports, he has finished better than Hamlin four times. We could be due for an upset in this one. In this corner, he's the 2015 and 2019 Cup Series champion from Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Rowdy Kyle Busch. And his opponent, it's the big brother and 2004 Cup Series champion from Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the outlaw, Kurt Busch. Let's just call this one the Battle for Las Vegas. The Bush brothers both grew up in Sin City and racing on the Vegas Bullring. Once they moved to the big track, they had their fair share of struggles in their hometown. But both have achieved the ultimate goal of winning at their home racetrack. The younger of the Bush brothers was the first to accomplish that back in 2009, but Kyle hasn't returned since, despite having an 11.5 average finish and leading laps in 13 of his 21 Cup Series starts at home. Kurt's chase for that elusive win at Vegas took a lot longer. It was in Bush's 22nd start at the track back in the fall of 2020 when he went to victory lane and created one of the best memories of that season. Throughout the years, Bush has a 20.9 average finish at the track, driving for six different teams. Now with 23-11 as a pseudo-teammate of his brother, he might still be an underdog. But Kurt has bested Kyle heads up in two of his last three victories, including last summer at Atlanta. And then, like, there's the funny part of, yeah, I taught Kyle everything he knows, you know. So I have a little bit of a one-up being the older brother, but at the same time, I still got to dig deep to push and to find uh, little tricks in the bag and to pull them out and, and to pull them over him. It makes it even sweeter. And I think that's why he gets a little bit more agitated after these types of races where we're finishing one, two, because... I feel like I have to outsmart him. I can't necessarily outdrive him with lap time. The fun thing about all of these matchups is they will all be competing against each other on Sunday afternoon. While a dozen fighters will have their hands raised at the UFC event on Saturday, only one driver will be driving into victory lane on Sunday and be crowned champion of the Pennzoil 400. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll talk to Las Vegas native Noah Gregson, and later we'll preview Sunday's Cup action at Las Vegas. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country, offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel. This show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. This is NASCAR Live. 
Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Noah Gregson has to be one of the busiest men in NASCAR. He's got one of the busiest schedules, hands down. He is slated to drive for three different teams in 2022. A couple of weeks ago, he raced in Daytona in the 500 for Beard Motorsports. He's also back with Junior Motorsports in a full-time capacity in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And he'll also tap in for an additional 14 Cup Series races with Colleg Racing. Our Kim Kuhn sat down with the Las Vegas native to go in-depth on how he'll balance the busy schedule while he chases another opportunity at a NASCAR Xfinity Series championship. All right, Noah, it is Vegas race week. You're a Las Vegas native. I assume you're in Vegas already, yes? Yeah, yeah, out in Vegas already. What's the first thing you have to do or like to do when you land in Sin City? Uh, after we, you know, roll into town, drop off the bags, definitely go eat at some of my favorite spots. Um, stuff that I don't normally get in uh, in North Carolina. So there's different spots. Raising Canes was, Raising Canes Chicken Fingers was the first one um, when we rolled in this week. And then uh, go to my favorite Thai food place, get fried rice from La Thai or um, go to Cafe Rio, get their queso. There's, there's different spots that, that we like to go and then um, you know, kind of a little bit exhausted uh, from the t- time change, but, you know, we, we got a lot packed into their days here, golfing, biking, doing all that kind of stuff, having fun. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been good so far. What's the biggest misconception about people or just in general growing up in Las Vegas? Something people, like, assume happens if you are a Las Vegas native or assume you do as a kid? Uh, probably people ask me, um, that I'm from Vegas and, um, what's it like being from California? They think Vegas is in California or they say, what hotel do you grow up in, in Vegas? Where, uh, like, where'd you live? What hotel? Um, I'm like, no, 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 there's, there's way more to Vegas. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we live about 15 minutes away from the strip and, um, you know, Close enough, but far enough away to, to where you can still relax but have fun at the same time. Well, you finished third in the Daytona Xfinity race, finished second in the race at Auto Club. So naturally, that only leaves... What's it going to be at Vegas? Yeah, that only leaves one answer as to where you're going to finish at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, right? First, baby, first. Let's go. Hopefully. <laughs> How challenging is Las Vegas in terms of what the, thro- the track throws at you? Well, I I really never feel like we're that fast there, but we always end up in in the top five, top three. So um, we've had a lot of good runs there, really good average average finish over the last three years. I think I've been here six times in the Xfinity car, and maybe a worse finish of sixth or seventh, maybe, and, and the rest of them top five. So, um, you know, I never really feel like we have that raw dominant speed, but we're always there and, and we, we can run up front. So... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to win in my hometown, but we've been on a roll, like you mentioned, third at Daytona to start the season off, second at Fontana, and then hopefully we can get a, a good run going this weekend. But, you know, we just got to execute. We got to stay focused. We uh, feel pretty well prepared. It's nice being back home, and, you know, you get to sleep in your own bed, and you just feel relaxed when you get to the racetrack in Vegas. I don't know if that's why we run somewhat good here, but... Um, yeah, being being back in my hometown, I always try and come out uh, the Monday before the race, spend the week out here, and then um, be ready to go once it's race time on Saturday. 
you have one of the busiest schedules this season, driving for three different teams. And it all started with you racing the Daytona 500 with Beard Motorsports. How was that experience? Uh, I, know, I know the race didn't end how you wanted it, but just the general experience. And where does kind of running the Daytona 500 rank in terms of driver accomplishments for you? Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, definitely, definitely always dreamed of racing the Daytona 500. And to finally get that opportunity with the Beard family, they took a, a chance on me along with Brendan Gone. And, um, you know, we, we put out a good show and we, we started on the last row and, uh, you know, drove up to the front and ran up in the teens and, and top 10 for most of the day. So with that being said, it, it was a it was a great, great first race for us. I know, like you said, it didn't end the way we wanted to. Um, we were going to pan out about six with 10 to go and um, got wrecked while we were running seventh by the four car, unfortunately. But, you know, wrong place at the wrong time or maybe right place at the wrong time. And, uh you know we had a shot at it we uh we ran competitive all, all day so yeah definitely was a bucket list and, and um a dream come true to be able to race in the daytona 500 and it's something i'll never forget my first one and that will be your only cup start this season because you're slated to run 14 races with colleague on the yep. cup side. that's in addition to driving full-time in the xfinity series for jrm they're your competition though on saturday so how did the deal come together for you to race for colleague on sundays um, you know, I think uh, just racing against them all last year, I know we kind of got into it a little bit um, here and there with them. But, you know, Chris Rice, he seems like pretty realist. And, um, you know, he saw my aggression. And, and I think that's what they want out of their drivers is aggression and being able to take risk and, and run up front. And um, so hopefully, hopefully we impressed him um, there last year. And, and he, uh, he gave us a call. And, um, wanted to come and us to come over and check out what they had and, and whatnot. So it was a really cool opportunity to be able to uh, to run with the college guys. I haven't run with them yet, but uh, you know I've been over there for the team meeting um, or their their kind of kickoff season kickoff lunch that they had, and uh, it just seems like a great group. And yeah, definitely on Sundays I'm all in with them, but Saturdays it's this is my priority with the junior motorsports team right now. And did you have to talk about that with Chris Rice and Mount Colleague? Like, hey guys, like, Saturdays are my day with JRM. I'm sorry for anything I do on the racetrack in terms of, you know, competition with you guys, but then Sunday I'm all yours. Like, how did the conversation go? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I told them. I said up front to, to Chris Rice and, and the rest of the guys, I said, hey, I just want to apologize for Saturdays. You know, it, uh, I think they kind of understand and, and they probably feel the same way. Um, you know, they're going to race us hard on Saturdays and um, be all in on Sundays. So, you know, that's just the nature of the beast right now. It's a great opportunity my, for myself. It's a bit unique, you know, with with racing them on Saturdays and then um, racing for them on Sundays. But, hey, it's a great opportunity and it's, uh, it's definitely going to be a privilege. Was the introduction of the next gen car part of the reason you wanted to dive into some cup stuff with colleague and and was it one of the determining factors in terms of running with them, knowing like, hey, they could actually come out of the gate really hot, which they have on the cup side because of this next-gen car? Yeah, I think so. I think just that next-gen car kind of is an equalizer in a sense. The cream's always going to rise to the top, obviously. But, um, you know, we've seen some good success and kind of the leaderboard shuffled up with maybe some guys that you you might not normally see up there, which is, is pretty neat. You know, everyone's still learning and, I'm sure it's going to, you know, someone's going to hit on something and 
um, they'll have somewhat of an advantage for a couple months and everybody will figure it out. And, uh, you, you know, you just want to be the, the group that hits on it first, right? But um, at the same time, yeah, definitely trying to get more races uh, throughout the year. Going to be running some late model races as well, um, hopefully. So um, definitely a busy, busy schedule. But, you know, being behind the wheel, being in the seat, that's what that's what we really want to focus on this year is just learning and um, trying, to, trying to put a footprint on the map. And what's been your experience with the next gen? Because, you know, the drivers so far that are full-time in the Cup Series have said, these cars are way harder to drive. What's your take on that? Well, I've only driven at, at Daytona. Um, so it's a bit different, but it felt like a regular race car to me. It's got four tires, a gas pedal, a brake <laughs> pedal, and a steering wheel. And I'm going to try and drive it as fast as I can. Love it. You also mentioned uh, hopping in some late models. With all of the different seats you're hopping in this season, is there any kind of fear that there could be some distractions or maybe what are the biggest challenges to just in general what your 2022 looks like and how jam-packed it is? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little bit different than, you know, having 100% focus on the Xfinity stuff like we've had the last three years. But I think diversifying your, your kind of palette of race cars that you're driving with the sequential shifter that's a little bit different in the cup car compared to the standard h pattern and the xfinity car so you know bouncing back and forth might be a, a little bit different but um yeah, it's kind of like riding a bike at the end of the day like i said it's it's got four tires a gas pedal and a brake pedal and a steering wheel and um, you just got to figure out how to drive it as fast as possible and, and i think that's what makes guys like kyle larson so good is he's so diverse um with the different kind of race cars that he drives is you know he just hops in anything and and then you're able to adapt quicker once you you get some experience and some reps in it so um yeah i, I think it'll be all uh, all thumbs up from us all positives and there's gonna be adversity obviously and challenges throughout the year but um there's nothing too big that we can't tackle kind of looking at all of the horses over there at the jrm camp you got justin Allgaier, you got you and then you have sam mayer and josh berry and so because of the addition of you know sam mayer and josh berry full-time you kind of roll into, you know, the second slot in terms of veterans over at JRM. Does it does it feel like that? Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the young guy and, you know, try and learn from Sam, try and learn from Josh. Um, those two guys are, are great teammates. And uh, I know they're, they're kind of newer, uh, maybe experience-wise, but they're still great race car drivers. So being able to work with our teammates at Junior Motorsports, that's – that's uh, that's key. You know, we got four great race car drivers, or maybe three great race car drivers, and myself. I don't. I might be subpar, mediocre, but <laughs> I. Uh, you know, we, we try and try and bounce ideas off each other, and um, try and try and better each other at the same time, and and uh, you know, try and get all four JRM cars up to the front. So you had the mullet, and you shot all of your preseason media stuff with the mullet, and then you shave it all off. Why the chop? I really wanted to keep the mullet, and then I shaved it off. I'm like, damn, I looked really, really bad with the mullet. Like, <laughs> like the clean shave is definitely a lot better. Well, I mean, the mullet was good, though. So where do you think your mullet ranked when you had it compared to other mullets we've seen just in general or specific to motorsports? It's for you guys to answer. I don't know. <laughs> Probably pretty low. <laughs> you think yours was better than Connor Daly's? Uh, it, it depends on the day. You know, it's 
the mullet's tough. You know, it's hard. It'd be hard to be a girl too, because you got having having longer hair all the time, having to do your hair. I just throw a hat on, so mine was never really done. But when I would do it, I felt like, and I'd get a haircut and stuff. I felt like it'd be pretty good. But yeah, I'll say mine's better than Connor Daly's. Connor did for his production day. He did have. Um, you know, a, a hair stylist come over, blow dry his hair out and everything. I, I asked him about it. I'm like, dang, dude, your, your mullet looked good for all the Indy 500 promo stuff. Like, did you, you didn't do that yourself, did you? He's like, no, I had this. I had a uh, friend come over, come do it all up for me. So, um, yeah, I, I think I could take Connor if I had somebody do it for me, though. Thank you, Kim. Coming up. We'll hear from drivers talking about this weekend's racing at Las Vegas and later this week in NASCAR history. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. The West Coast portion of the early NASCAR schedule heads to Las Vegas this weekend. Let's hear what some of the drivers have to say ahead of Sunday's Cup action. Kurt Becker leads us through. The NASCAR Cup Series West Coast Swing continues as the haulers head to Sin City for a race weekend at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Fresh off a victory in his home state at Auto Club Speedway. Austin Dillon, final chance on the backstretch, trying to find a way to catch Kyle Larson. Off the end of the back straightaway, Larson by three, Larson by four car lengths, but Dillon makes a final try to the inside. A bonsai move for Austin Dillon at the bottom of the racetrack, going to try to pull the slide job. He can't do it. Off turn four, Kyle Larson comes to the line. Austin Dillon giving pursuit, checkered flag in the air, and Kyle Larson wins the Wise Power 400. 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Larson has adjusted well to the next-gen car, but he is curious to see how the car will perform at Las Vegas and for the rest of the trip west. Yeah, I don't uh, <clears throat> I don't know what to expect. I, I was, I guess, you know, I didn't have much experience in the car this offseason, so I uh, was, was learning a lot when I got to the Clash and even Daytona, and um, I thought it was, you know, fairly similar feeling to the other, other cars. Uh, I mean, it has its little bits of differences, but those tracks are so unique that I don't think that um, we'll really get an idea of what the differences are and what stands out until we get really through this West Coast swing. I think it's a good, a good test for what we'll feel and, and be like throughout the rest of the year. So once we get through the West Coast swing, I think we'll have a good idea of, of the differences and, and who's learning quickly and who's not. Eric Almarola in his final season in the Cup Series is also interested to see how the next-gen car performs at Vegas and other West Coast tracks that will help determine a champion later this season. More are, you know, our bread-and-butter type racetracks for the season. These are the ones that we're going to have to be good at um, as it, you know, goes through the season and, and you want to compete for a championship you got to be good at, at these you know mile and a half type racetracks two mile racetracks uh, the downforce package is going to be the same all year where in years past we've had you know the higher higher downforce higher drag package at the mile and a half two mile racetracks and we've had the lower drag lower downforce package at the the shorter tracks now we're going to have the same package with this new car at all the racetracks so how we run at vegas how we run at phoenix will really 
give us a good indicator of what we are in store for for the season. Daytona 500 winner Austin Sendrick is in full research and development mode as his team is already very likely playoff bound. Sendrick sees the West Coast swing as a perfect opportunity to find out the team's strengths and weaknesses as he too tries to learn all that he can about the next-gen car. For the next four months, I 100% agree with that. It is it is about who's the best learners, and that's not just the drivers. It's the it's the crew chiefs. It's the teams. It's the you know the manufacturers. I mean, the OEM influence with this new car is probably more than we've ever seen. So I, I think all of those things are, are huge. And I think for the next three, four months, absolutely. I think the West Coast Swing is a great opportunity for us to gauge where everything is, where strengths and weaknesses are um, for a lot of reasons. But, like, I, I give perfect example of, of, of change being an opportunity. I mean, Dave Ellens is, you know, his second weekend as a cup crew chief to qualify on the front row. I mean, he's obviously someone that's, you know, been able to win championships in Xfinity and constantly runs up front. But, like, He's a rookie crew chief in cup and just put his car in the front row. Like that is the opportunity with change. But at the same time, the same opportunity could be a bad thing. <laughs> so it's, um, I don't, I don't, I think it's way too early and you have way too few data points to certainly make any conjectures. So for, for that standpoint, you just have to keep focusing on the things that you've learned and how to apply them as quickly as possible. Our colleagues at the Performance Racing Network will have coverage of the Cup and Xfinity Series races from Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. But the Motor Racing Network will have the call for the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, which gets things started Friday evening, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, another installment of This Week in NASCAR History. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Before we hit the door, it's time for another edition of This Week in NASCAR History. Here's Susie Armstrong. Thanks, Mike. Let's take a radical ride to 1983. Michael Jackson moonwalks to the top of the charts with the second single from the iconic Thriller album, Billie Jean. The 4077 said goodbye, farewell, and amen to a record 125 million fans as MASH airs for the final time on CBS. Philips and Sony launch the digital music age as the compact disc becomes the new ruler of the record stores. And Bobby Allison was the monarch of the Commonwealth of Virginia, driving his Miller High Life Chevy to victory in the Richmond 400 at Richmond Fairgrounds Raceway. Bernhardt closing to within two and a half car lengths around the limping Harry Gancar. It's a race to the line. Out of turn number four, Earnhardt puts it sideways, broadsides the car, smokes the tires. It'll be Bobby Allison by three car lengths. 1993, the spin doctors just might have had a pocket full of kryptonite as two princes pops into Billboard's top ten. Investigations intensifying the Big Apple following the Twin Towers truck bombing. Michael Douglas reaches his breaking point as he treks across Los Angeles on foot in the crime thriller Falling Down. And Rusty Wallace didn't let the Intimidator rattle his stride as the cup champ held off Dale Earnhardt in the GM Goodwrench 500 at North Carolina Motor Speedway. 
Lee Wallace already halfway down the stretch. Half a lap to go to Victory Lane. Clear sailing as he coasts into turn number three. Now punches the throttle halfway through the corner. He's on his way to the line. Rusty Wallace behind the wheel. Buddy Parrott and the fellas behind pit wall. They combine for Wallace's third win here at Rockingham. Y2K, the Dixie Chicks ring in the new millennia with two Grammy Awards, courtesy of their number one country album, Fly. The Minnesota Vikings make a highly publicized yet unsuccessful bid to draw Dan Marino out of retirement and back on the field as starting quarterback. And Bobby Labonte repelled Earnhardt's attempts to overtake, beating the seven-time cup champ to the line in the Duralube Kmart 400 at The Rock. And now beginning a trickle out of the hourglass. Time running out for Earnhardt Labonte through three for the final time. He heads off turn four. Bobby Labonte becomes the 26th different driver to win a Winston Cup race in Rockingham. Checkered flag. Labonte scores. The Duralube Kmart 400. 1.06 seconds over Dale Earnhardt. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. Be sure to join us this Thursday for another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. If you have already subscribed to NASCAR Live, you'll automatically get it. If you haven't, you can get NASCAR Live Wide Open wherever you download your podcast. Our thanks to Cole Custer and Noah Gregson for stopping by today. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. We'll meet you right back here next Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time for another edition of NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.